Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning on this cold March day. How many of you are ready for spring? All of a sudden, and you get that gut punch from the weather, right? It's good to see everybody. Um, Even as John was talking today, um, I'm reminded you know, sometimes we forget that as a church, uh, you know, we are in the people business. All of us have stuff. The only thing that you have stuff-wise that's going to endure with you is people. It's relationships. It's the only thing you can bring with you. Um, that's why we do what we do. That is the center of what we do at Trinity because it's, the, I believe, the center of God's heart. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that's why we exist. That's why we do all the stuff that we do, and that's why when you came in this morning, and even last week we talked about all of the things that we're doing for Easter in the season. The Easter season is very unique. It's the highest attended church day of the year, Easter Sunday, by far. We use this entire season as a way to drop our nets so that people can move from death to life. So we have a few things going on that I want to remind you of. The first thing we have going on is our community candy crush. It's real simple. You grab a bag of candy, We're asking everybody to grab a couple bags of candy, give them to two neighbors, and pray for your neighbors for the next six weeks and invite them to come to our our Easter activities. Why? Because there's a chance they may move from death to life. How many of you would love to see a neighbor that you know, a family member that you know, move from death to life? Grab a bag of candy. It's easy peasy. And then on April the 9th, we have our community Easter egg hunt. Guys, this is absolutely bananas. We are bracing for thousands that will be on our property on that day. We have free eggs, free food, free games, free prizes. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Our, our neighbors, our community is already in a buzz. We are off the charts already with our registrations. I have no idea how many people are going to be here. I was shooting for about 3,500 at this point. I think we're going to rocket past that. Pray hard. We need your help with that. Get involved. We need bikes. We need scooters. We need uh, skateboards. We need big, fluffy, stuffed animals for the kids. Help us. Then we have our thing called The Way. It's on Good Friday. It's 12 hours. It's a self-guided tour, kind of like the Stations of the Cross, except infused with the arts. Uh, A very moving experience. We did it last year. It was was powerful. Um, We did it in-house. This year, we're going to open it up to our community. Uh, If you're creative or if you are, you know, still orthodoxy, Catholicism, kind of less, you know, kind of lifts close to your heart, this may be something you want to get involved in. Talk to, uh, to Robin. And then finally, we have our Easter services. This year, we're calling it Thirst. Um, If you've been here for an Easter service, you know this very clearly. Uh, People will will have a clear presentation of who God is. God's Spirit will be moving. It'll be creative. It'll be artistic. If you have friends and neighbors, people that don't know Christ, or people that have lost their way in their faith, this is a great opportunity to invite them to come to church. We need your help with that, too. Come and get involved in all these things. When you... Lump all of our Easter outreaches together, we are anticipating impacting about 10,000 people with the love, power, and presence of Christ. Now, you can't do that uh, willy-nilly. We need your help. Uh, We need a lot of things. We need you to to pray. I'm going to talk about prayer in a second. We need you to come and volunteer. We need tons of teams. I think last year for our, our Family Fest, we had 160 volunteers from our church. We need more this year. We're going to need a couple hundred. Um, we also need uh, your financial support. Our goal is to do all these events free of charge for the community. That means that we got to 
God's got to bless us to come up with the money. Last week, we started uh, opening up uh, uh, you know, our giving opportunities for Easter. Uh, we are shooting for $13,000 this year to do all four of those events free for our community. Uh, if you want to partner with us, partner with us. Uh, we broke it down. If every family unit that gives here at the church would give $100 above and beyond your tithe for the next six weeks, not every week, just total $100, we would have more than enough money to meet our, our needs. So pray, see what God would ask you to give. Some of you can give more than that. If you can, give more. We're giving more, me and my family. Some of you have to give less. Give what you can. Talk to God about that. Um, there's a QR code there if you'd like to give. And then last but not least, last week we started our prayer initiative as well. Prayer is the gasoline in the engine of the church. If we don't pray as a church over these things, we won't be effective. So we launched a prayer initiative. Uh, there's a bunch of ways you can be a part of it. Even though we already started it, it's not too late to get connected to it. We have uh, the paper ones that are out there on the table. Grab one. I'm a book paper person. I like to flip through the pages. Some of you are digital people. If you're a digital person, you can uh, scan this QR code and you get the whole thing digitally downloaded on you. Just, you get the whole thing. And then we're just starting a new feature called a text feature. So if you want to sign up for our text feature, that's the next one, you'll get a morning text every morning uh, with the prayer thing so that we're all in sync. It's going to be a beautiful time. Pray. Get involved. God is on the move, beloved. All right, let's continue in our series called Flourish. Um, some of you, most of you know my story. Growing up, uh, my dad was a man of the earth. I had my hands in the soil as a little kid. And uh, so consequently, you know, that thing that I hated, me and my brother hated getting our hands in the dirt. We hated planting. We hated shoveling the manure. And guess what? Now as we get older, each of us have a garden. Each of us have plants. Each of us, it got in us. Don't you hate when that stuff gets in you? Even though you don't want it to get in you, it gets in you. So when I got here to the region, you know, um, every time you get into a new region, you're like, okay, what can I grow here? So we did some raised garden beds at the house. And I'd mentioned last year that uh, we put together a big raised garden bed and I was getting ready to get some dirt. I come to the house after I preached that talk. I just built the garden bed and I put some pictures up. And lo and behold, one of our own, Rob Townsend, is there with his boys. And uh, they're filling up my garden bed with this thing called mushroom soil. I had never heard of mushroom soil. Now, coming here, i got to be honest with you. I did notice in the mornings every once in a while there was a distinct smell that would waft all through the yard and stuff like that. This is me and Tori Lynn building the garden bed. And I was like, man, what is that stuff? And I asked somebody one day, and they said, well, that's, that's the mushroom farms. That's where you get all the stuff. So I asked Rob, I said, what is this mushroom soil you, you're speaking about? He says, man, he goes, it is the greatest stuff if you want to grow big, healthy plants. He says, they rotate in the mushroom farms, their, their soil. Their soil's rich in all the stuff. You cut it with regular stuff. He goes, and your plants are just going to be bananas. This is my little, one of my little raised garden beds. Um, so they added the mushroom soil. I went and I bought some plants. And then Dr. Dan Varnell gave me some of his nuclear hybrid plants. I don't know what they are. He made these plants like the, with the chocolate tomato stuff and all these other things. And, and I put these things in the ground and it was, it was nuts. It was like there was plutonium or something in the ground. And it looked like, like a prehistoric movie, all the way that my plants just went crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Um, all because of the soil. It was a different type of a soil. And I started to reflect as I'd pulled, you know, a bounty off. My tomato plants, you could, I mean, they were so heavy, it crushed all of the cages. It was absolutely nuts. And I remember this, um, and my dad would do this too. My dad had his little soil mixture. You know, whether you're planting, whatever you're planting, whether you're planting flowers inside or out, or vegetables, 
or trees. It doesn't really matter. You know, the thing that you're planting. But whatever you plant that seed in, the soil for that plant is a big deal. I remember my dad in the greenhouse had our soil box, and he had this mixture of soil, things that he would add, almost like a, like a, like a sauce, like a broth. He'd add all these things, and those were the things that would cause the plants to grow big. You see, beloved, when it comes to growing, it's not just about the seed. It's not just about the sun. It's not just about the water. It's also about the soil, the condition of the soil, the richness of the soil. So what is soil? What is dirt? This is the definition of dirt. Okay, ready for this? Soil, the loose top layer of the earth's surface consisting of rock and mineral particles mixed with decayed organic matter, a.k.a., well, you know what it is, right? And capable of retaining water, providing nutrients for plants, and supporting a wide range of biotic communities. In short, it's its own little microverse kind of a thing. Soil was, was designed by the Creator to not just receive the seed, but to create the perfect environment for the seed, to foster the seeds to grow, to spread their roots, and to produce fruit. That's what soil does. So the way this works is this. God designed the seed. If this seed is put in the proper conditions, given the proper stuff, put in healthy soil, if the seed is healthy, it's designed to grow. That's how God created the planet. That's how God created us. Healthy things grow. He created us to grow. If you're healthy, you can't help but to grow. If you're healthy spiritually, if you're healthy physically, if you're healthy, healthy mentally, you will grow. Now, specifically, the health of a plant is directly affected by the quality of the soil. Now, our hearts are a type of soil. Our hearts are the growth environment for the seeds of the kingdom. Do you know that? God is always planting seeds. By the way, so is the enemy. The enemy's always trying to plant seeds and weeds in your heart. So your heart, the garden of your heart's a big deal. The soil of your heart is a big deal. But when it comes to the kingdom, the way the kingdom works is this. God drops seeds of the kingdom into your heart. Revelation. And from that revelation, he establishes his heart and his will in you. And he establishes his heart and his will on, this, on the earth. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to care for our heart. We have to guard our heart. We have to constantly make sure the soil of our heart is good so that we can receive revelation seed. Seed from God. Proverbs 4.23 puts it this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything. So it's important for us as believers specifically to tend to the soil of our hearts so that the good seeds that God wants to plant in us can take root. Now Jesus was concerned with the soil of our hearts. Why? The condition of your heart is directly correlated to your ability to receive God's heart, his revelation the seeds of the kingdom, so that we can be impacted and so that we can impact others. So consequently, Jesus had something to say about soil. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 13. If you uh, have our app, if you open our app, you get all my notes. If you're on the U version of the Bible, look for live events and you'll see Trinity. Save it. If you're on Facebook, check in. If you do the other stuff, I don't even know what you do with half the stuff. It's like something new popping up every day. Don't even know what it is. Here's a great parable that Jesus shares. 
Jesus was the greatest storyteller the, the world's ever seen. He would paint complex spiritual truths through story, through parable to help us to understand all the things that he wanted us to be and all the things that the kingdom is. Matthew 13, 3 says this. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shadow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly, but the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have the deep root system, they died. Verse 7. Other seeds fell along the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Verse 8. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as it had been planted. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. Now, isn't it funny? Can you imagine if you were sitting there listening to Jesus? So Jesus, you know, speaking to an agricultural community, lays out this thing about soils and seeds. And as you're listening to it, you have no idea what he's talking about. You get some whiffs, that's you know, the here and there. And then he says, those that have ears, let them hear. And he just walks away. And you're like, what, what did you just say? Have you ever had somebody communicate with you? They thought that they communicated with you, but they really didn't. Just because you hear doesn't mean that communication has taken place. How many of you are married? How many of you have children? How many of you have communicated something to your child and you can tell by the glaze in their eyes, they have no idea what you're talking about, right? I need you to take out the trash. What trash? Our trash. Need you to take it to the curb. Whose curb? Our curb. But what day? What time? There's so many variables. Just take out the trash. Communication. I think Jesus felt this way with the disciples sometimes. So they asked this in verse 10. His disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But for those that don't know, uh, those, for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. This is why I use parables. God gives us a little thing that we're just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but understand this. This is why you have to be in the word. This is why you have to continue to feed yourself. As you feed yourself on spiritual truth, God can trust you with more spiritual truth. Well, how does that work? Well, he changes, he reframes our hearts and our minds to be able to receive his reality, what the kingdom is. That doesn't happen overnight. You grow into this thing. You grow into hearing. So here we have Jesus telling a parable in all the different ways that we can reject God's kingdom and all the ways that we should be able to receive God's kingdom. Now, by the way, when he talks about the seed and the soil, he's not just talking about salvation. Sometimes when you read this, you think, oh, people I prayed, they didn't get saved. I thought they were saved. They didn't because Satan, he took the seed. There are people that have given their hearts to Christ that struggle with these concepts as well. They, they, there are. Why? Because, again, the kingdom is ever expanding through us. Sometimes I think people think once you give your heart to Christ, you have reached the destination, you have reached the end. You have not reached the end or the destination. You have just started your journey with God. It's the beginning of the race. It's the beginning of the path. You don't need God just to be able to hear him so that you can give your heart to him. You need to be able to hear God and respond to the kingdom to live for him every day. Does that make sense? 
So if we don't know, as believers know how to receive the seed, you're never going to be in step with the Spirit. So we need to be able to receive the seed so that we can be the expanders of the kingdom for God. The enemy will do anything he can to keep you from receiving those seeds and expanding the kingdom. This is why as believers, we need to make sure, we need to check constantly the condition of our hearts. Because if you don't tend to your heart, beloved, you may find yourself in a place where your heart becomes so hard, you actually reject the seed of God. Do you know that believers can do that? You can harden your heart to what God wants to do right now. You can. It's a dangerous place. So now we have Jesus, and he begins to expand and explain what the different souls mean to us. Look at verse 18. Let's plop down there. He starts with this. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, and he snatches away the seed uh, that was planted in their hearts. The first soil that Jesus talks about is the hard soil. Now, what is the problem with hard soil? The problem with hard soil is this. The seed can't penetrate it. Instead of the soil being porous and being able to receive the seed, the soil becomes too dense, and the seed has nowhere to go. It sits on the surface, and eventually the birds and the creatures come, and they take it away. They do. Have you ever been on a hike? Have you ever walked on a path that was worn? And the more you walk on it, the harder the soil gets. It's not concrete, but man, you fall on one of those things, you know, you know, we like to go, Tori and I will go like mountain biking and stuff like that. And, and you, you get those bikes on those trails in the woods and they're great. But I'll tell you what, if you bite it, if you come down there and you hit a root or something like that, you land, your face hits that, 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 that hard ground, you know it. You could lose teeth. And, you know, you brush your face on that, it, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look. I'll just tell you that right now. You have to be careful. That's funny to me is this. The more you, you travel the road, the denser the soil gets. What makes that soil hard? Repeated impact. Feet, tires, rocks, whatever it is. Now, what's interesting to me is this. Impact in your life can do one of two things. It can either soften you or make you harder. For example, if you're cooking a good steak, how many of you like a good steak? You know, you put, the, you, you put the seasoning in it. This is what I do. Put the seasoning in it, put it in a bag, put a little towel on it, and then I get out the cleaver and beat the fire out of it. Why do you beat the steak? Tenderize it. Get that, all the, the, the stuff in there, all the good is, is in there. And you, pull it, you put it on the grill and it just falls apart. That's what you want. That, you want to be able to chew that thing. So the repeated impact on the piece of steak softens it. But the same impact that softens a steak, if you take a tamper and you go into your yard and you tamp a path down in your grass, it compacts the soil, it compacts the dirt, it makes that dirt solid, strong, unporous. So what Jesus is talking about here is how um, the world can impact your heart and make it less porous, make it unable to receive the seed. The more you allow the world to beat on you and you don't allow the Holy Spirit, the mechanism of the Spirit, the stuff that he does to soften you, the harder you become. Your heart becomes callous and you cannot receive the seed of the kingdom. This comes from just repeated blows. Back in, you know, back out. All of us have calluses. I have, uh, most of you guys know I'm a diabetic. So they're always asking about my feet when I go and I see the doctor. How are your feet? I'm like, they're fine. For ugly-looking Greek toes, I think they're pretty good. 
And every time I go in there, they give me a test. They, they, take, they make me shut my eyes, and they take this, this, little, this little pokey thing, and they poke my feet to see if I can feel them because they want to make sure that I can feel everything. And you shut your eyes, and you can feel the little, little pricks. Now, here's the problem. Um, you know, the more you use your feet, the more callous your feet become. I'm like most men. I'm not going home at night putting my feet up and then putting baby oil lotion on my feet. You know, is there any men in here that do that? God bless, if there is, God bless you. Is there anybody here? There be guys like, I ain't putting my hand up. <laughs> you guys, it, was a, it was a test. You passed the test. You can come to the men's breakfast. You passed the test. So I have a doctor's appointment coming up. And, and one of the things that the doctor requires of me, I have a mean doctor. You, sometimes you need a mean doctor that slaps cookies and cakes out of your hands, right? You need that. And one thing that she tells me, she says, we're going to come, we're going to check your feet out. Your feet better be in good shape. So I look at my feet, and like I said, I mean, I need some help. So I was talking to, you know, to Pastor Trish and, and Robin, a bunch of guys. I said, where do you go? Where do dudes go? To, Michael knows where I'm going with this. Where do guys go to make sure your feet look good? You know, do I go to, a, do I go to get my, what do you call them, a pedicure? But I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, the guy, you can't sit there as a guy. I need to know, is there a dude-friendly pedicure place where they got ESPN on, you know? Barbecue shows, stuff like that. I can't sit in there and smell rose petals and listen to, you know, uh, Enya, you know, as, as we're floating along and they're messing with my feet. You got to take care. So as a diabetic, I got to take care of my feet. I got to try to make sure that it's, it's soft so I can feel things. You have to be able to feel things. If your heart gets hard, you can't feel the spirit. Can't penetrate the callus of your heart. When you're calloused, you lose your ability to feel. As believers, we have to stay tender. We have to stay sensitive to the spirit. So what causes us to get hard as believers? What causes these callous? Disappointment. Fear. Pain. Betrayal. All of those things are like blows to the heart. They all are. All of us experience these things. This is why it's important for us as believers to walk in continual introspection, forgiveness, and healing. This is why it's important that we talk to each other. Have you ever seen sad stories of people that had a disagreement, and that disagreement caused a fracture, and they haven't spoken to each other for years? comes hard, uncomfortable. Beloved, you got to let that go. We have to let those things go. All of us have those things that, that pierce our hearts and we don't know what to do with it. By the way, if you're in that category and you have some stuff that you just can't get through, we got a beautiful ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. They meet every Thursday night. They're here to help you with pain, with hangups, with things that keep you stuck. Come check them out. See uh, Jerry and Mary Hauser. They're amazing. So when we take shots to the heart, it's easy for us to turn inward, to shut down, to not trust anybody, to get hard. This is when we experience pain. And when you experience pain, that's the time that we don't run from God. This is the time where we lean into God more closely. You have to press in more closely. This is what Psalm 34, 18 says. When someone is hurting or brokenhearted, the eternal moves in close and revives him in his pain. Now, did you see that? doesn't say automatically that God just waves his magic wand and takes your pain away. He revives you in the midst of it. Why? Because his heart is that you can face it 
move through it, heal, and help others to get through their pain. If you just forget about it, then, then, then we miss the whole point, beloved. He revives our hearts, and he tills the soil of our heart and helps us to be soft again. Why? To be able to receive the, the, the seed of the kingdom. The impact of the Spirit in our lives is different than the impact of the world. The world makes you harder. The impact of the Spirit makes you softer, more pliable, able to receive the seed. So God, as he, the Spirit impacts us, he gives us the ability to receive his understanding so we can hear from him, and he gives us, as believers, a new heart. He gives us a heart transplant. This is what Ezekiel 36, 26 says. It says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Something that's tender, something that he can use. Have you allowed pain, brokenness, failure, fear to harden your heart? Shut your eyes for a second. Just right now, take a minute, let's do some heart inventory. Some of you are here and you've closed yourself off. Allow the Holy Spirit right now to just speak to you. Just ask him, say, Lord, have I, uh, have I closed myself off because of these things? Where I'm, it's, it's messing with my ability to hear and to be able to respond to you. And hear what the Holy Spirit tells you. Now, let's do one more thing together. Just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit in your own words. Again, he hears you just like he hears me. Say, Holy Spirit, will you tenderize my heart so I can receive what you have for me? Just pray that. Holy Spirit, will you make me tender so I can receive your seed? All right, let's keep going. Look down to verse 20. It says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't, it doesn't last long. Uh, they fall away and soon uh, they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. What soil is that? That's the rocky soil. Anytime you plant a garden, anytime you find a patch of earth, the first thing you have to do is clear the soil. Now, what does it mean to clear the soil? You get out all the rocks, all, anything that could obstruct the roots growing deeper. You get rid of all those things. You loosen it up. Why do you have to get rid of the rocks? Because the rocks mess with the roots. The rocks make it tough for the roots to grow deeper. And if the roots don't grow deeper, the plant can't stay strong. The rocks get in the way. Now, the rocks for us are those things that keep us from maturing in Christ. Those little pockets of problems. By the way, before you start, you know, throwing your rock at somebody else, remember this. All of us have rocks in our life that God wants to deal with. We all have rocks. We do. Little rocks that can stunt our spiritual growth. It's those little things sometimes that, that affect us in bigger ways than we realize. I would mentioned earlier that, um, you know, Tori and I, we do a lot of bike riding. And um, my first bike, in fact, you can go to the next slide. I think this is me and Ward out there riding our bikes. I got that big orange bike with the big tires to keep up my chunky big Greek body. It works very well. But before I had that, I had another bike that wasn't so cool. 
Um, and it was, I had to kind of maintain it. it was an older bike. So one day I was messing with it. And um, I don't you know, you know how brakes work on a bike? You got these cables, you, you pull these levers, and it, it pulls the cable, puts tension on the cable. And usually at the end point of the cable, there's a little screw in the mechanism that when you pull on it, it, it pulls it, and it'll clasp, and it'll engage the brakes. So I was cleaning it, I was doing all kind of stuff, and I was, I was trying to get some lubricant into this cable because it was a little, little tough. And I, I loosened the bottom thing that, that would grab this cable. I sprayed it up, but I forgot to tighten the little screw up again, which means this. TJ ain't got no brakes. Now, I didn't realize this until I had got out into our plan, went across the street, and started to ride into the trails. If you go where I'm at, you know, White Clay Creek out there, I started to go down this little run, and it's a beautiful little run. It goes down, and there's a, there's a creek on the left side of you, and everything's great, and it goes down just like this. And every time you ride down it, you do the same thing. You ride down, and you have to just kind of crawl down there, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You come around the corner, and then you go. Now, that's really easy to do when you have brakes. If you don't have brakes, it's a, it's, a, it's a ride on the wild side. I'll just say that. And I remember I came down and I started flying down this hill and, and, and there's no brakes. I had front brakes. I didn't have back brakes. I wasn't going to hit the front brakes because that makes you flip over to the front. So you know what I did? I jumped off that bike. <laughs> and the bike went flying down without me because it's either the bike or me and the bike's going to lose every time. All because of that one little screw I forgot to tighten. It's those little rocks that if we leave them, those are the things that mess us up. Those are the things that mess with our maturity. Those are the things that keep us from becoming the people that God wants to be. You have to deal with the rocks that get in the way of your growth, that keep you from dropping roots. So how do you get rid of the rocks, beloved? You ready for this? You have to be willing to dig. You have to be willing to dig. They're not going to leave by osmosis. You have to be willing to dig. You have to lay your heart before God and allow the Spirit to show you the obstacle and to help to remove them in your life. This is what Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says. The Psalm of David. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to you. If you do that, you'll mature and you'll grow. By the way, and I don't know why this is, um, it seems for us, we are much better at seeing the rocks in other people's lives than we are in our own. I can identify all the rocks in your life, but it's hard for me to see the rocks in my own life. That means this. Make sure that you have people in your life that see who you really are. Can help to identify those rocks in your life. Being rooted in Christ, especially now, guys, is not optional. You can't mail it in now. It's essential. So how do you know if you're maturing in your faith? How do you know if this thing's working and the roots are holding? How you react in pressure situations. How you do when the storm comes. When the storm comes, do you buckle or do you stand? I want to encourage you. Just because you buckle in the middle of a storm doesn't mean you're a failure. It's showing you the points of weakness. You have to put pressure into the pipes to find the leaks. It's God showing you where the leaks are. If you do something and you fail, you get back up, you dust yourself off, you ask the Spirit to help you, and the next time, maybe you won't fail. That's all part of growth. Amen? Look at verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, 
But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lore of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is a big one for us, beloved. This is the thorny soil. So many excuses of why we can't do what God asks us to do. So many fears. So many thorns and weeds and things that keep us from God's plan. I can tell you this, as a gardener, as an an amateur gardener, I don't know how it happens, but there's nothing worse than going to bed at night and you wake up and you go out and you look at your garden and it seems like overnight 450,000 weeds have sprung up. And what's terrible is when they're small, if you can't identify what the plant is, you don't know what's a plant and you don't know what's a weed. I have been responsible for ripping out many a healthy plant in my day because I thought they were weeds. These little things go in there. And if you don't get into your garden every day and weed it, those weeds and those thorns left unchecked will start to choke out the good plants that you want to have in your garden. It's just, just what they do. They'll start to block out the sun. They grow quicker. They get entangled with the healthy plants, and they just start to choke them out. This is why for us as believers, you know, when it comes for us, how do you, how do you stay on track where, where good stuff is, is, is being planted and flowing in your life? This is where kingdom priorities come into play. You see, when you shift your focus off of what God wants onto what we want, and the worries and the care of, our, of this world, they're like weeds. They can start to overwhelm us. This is why we become kingdom-centered and God-centered. This is why having good, anchored priorities in Christ are so important. You see, when you put God first, God steers your life, not your worries. Have you, had, have you ever had your worries and your fears steer your life? Last night, um, you know, we, we're doing stuff. We get home, and long day, and Toby gets back, and Toby goes, hey, he goes, I'm going to go meet a couple of my buddies. We're going to get something to eat, and we're going to do some stuff. It's going to be great. And I'm like, well, but you, you got, you know, it says cold out, and it's slick. He goes, Dad, he goes, I'm a great driver. He's been driving for like, you know, six months, so he's got it all figured out. Six months, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I said, well, son, you need to be careful. He goes, Dad, I'll be fine. He goes bebopping out. I sit there, and I'm just thinking of... I don't know why. I let my mind, I usually don't do this. I let my mind go to all the places. Well, if he goes this way, he could be in a ditch over here. If he goes that way, he could be in a ditch over there. Because I know he thinks he's a great driver, but between me, you, and everybody online, he's not. (laughs) He's not that good. Isn't it funny how quick worry can escalate in your mind? And then what happens? It affects everything that you do. This is why our mind is fixed and steadfast on God. Matthew 6, 31 through 34 says this. Don't consume yourself with the questions, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Now here's the money verse, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be given to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. We live faithful for today. We, we, we honor God for today. And if you do that, anxiety and worry won't choke out God's purposes in your life. That's why we go to him daily for what? Our bread. Daily for our sustenance, Lord. You know, I'm just like I need the sun and I need the rain, I'm coming to you every day. If you do that, your priorities will be on check. 
and worry will decrease. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that? His peace will guard your what? Your heart and your mind. Your heart. Allow the Spirit to guard your heart. If you do that, anxious thoughts won't take over you. This is why we take our hearts daily to God. This is why we spend time with Him. Every time you spend time with God, you allow Him to continue to keep you to alignment with His heart. Because let's just be real. If you don't spend time with God, what does the Bible say? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us stray. This is why we pray. In fact, you know, a way to, for you to keep your heart in alignment with God, join our 40-day prayer, uh, our prayer thing that's going on for Easter. There's nothing magical about the prayers. What it is is our hearts unifying with God's hearts and our hearts unifying with each other. God does powerful things when we pray, when we spend time with him. Do that. Look at verse 23. Let's bring this thing home. It says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much that it had been planted. What soil is this? This is the good soil. What does the good soil represent in the kingdom? Abundant life, health, exponential growth. You know that the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom aren't just one-to-one -one growth. It's exponential growth in you and in the lives of others. That's part of the kingdom. It's good soil does this. Good soil is able to receive God's revelation. Good soil can, can read the revelation of, of the Bible. And I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about God speaking to you. As you study the Bible, if your heart is good soil, that's when those seeds get into you. They take root. They grow. They're healthy. They, they flourish. They produce fruit and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And the beautiful thing about fruit is this. Fruit is something that you can enjoy personally, but it's also something that you can pass along to others. If you allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life, if you feel peace, you know that other people can receive peace just by hanging out with you. If you're a person of joy, do you know that other people can enjoy the, 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 that fruit of joy just by hanging out with you? How many of you know somebody that's filled with joy and you can't wait to be with them? How many of you know a curmudgeon? Some, if you don't know what, who a curmudgeon is or any like that in your life, chances are you're the curmudgeon. It's a pretty good, pretty good chance. What do you do with curmudgeons? Get away from me. You stay away from them. You hide from them in the Walmart when you see them, right? Because what do they do? They bring you down. People can eat the fruit. When that seed hits the good soil, we start to grow. Healthy things grow. And when you do that, you produce fruit. And when you produce fruit, you start to impact your world, our world with God, with the gospel, with all that he is. Now understand this. The kingdom principle. The greater the soil, the greater the significance. Let me tell you what that means. That means the more you tend to the soil of your heart, the more you're able to receive what God has for you, the more you're able to understand what the Spirit wants to do in your life, the more you're yielded to Him. And the more you're yielded to God, the bigger impact you will make on your world. Whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual. Some of the most impactful people I've ever met in my life, you would have no idea what their names are. They're people of prayer. And when they pray, the heavens rip open and God moves. The greater the soil, the better the soil, the greater the significance.
The more we allow the Spirit to prepare the soil of our hearts, the more seeds get in, the more the kingdom grows. The more fruit we'll produce, the more God can develop in us, the more, again, we can impact our worlds. You see, all this comes down to one thing, beloved. God can do anything he wants. You know, he can do anything he wants on the planet. The question is this. What are you going to allow him to do through you? You understand this, right? You're the gatekeeper to your own heart. You're the gatekeeper to your own life. You can put limits on what a limitless God can do through you. He can do anything if you let him. If you let him. See, God just... He came not just to give you life, not just to do these things, but he came so that, again, he could, could move us and help us to experience life for others. Again, the enemy came to kill us. God came to bring life. What does John 10.10 10 say? It says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it how? Abundantly. Not survival, abundant life. So here's the question. Not only are you living out that abundant life, exponential growth life, are you a conduit for God so that he can bless others and bring life to others? This is why it's so important, beloved, that we just don't talk about faith, but we live it out. Our stories impact our world. This is why it's important that when you go out there and you look at all the stuff that we're doing for Easter, get involved, do something, allow God to be able to flow through you to change the world. So bow your heads with me. That's the question today. I want you to ask God two questions today. Lord, will you show me the condition of the soil of my heart? That's the first question. Second, ask the Spirit, say, Lord, will you show me what you want me to do and how to embrace it? Listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.